0: Hi everybody. Good morning to you. You all look so nice. Did you have a good week? So, so, eh, kind of. We'll talk a little bit about that in a couple of minutes. First, we got our announcements. Uh, connection cards are in the lobby. So if you are visiting or if you are relatively new, uh, contact information, please let us know. We'd like to keep you up to date on what's going on. Also, uh, you can drop those off in the uh, box by the sound booth. That's also where you put your tithes and offerings. We have our uh, 20s and 30s life group coming up on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. Study in the book of Job. Women's study. There is a ladies tea party here tomorrow uh, at 7 p.m. right here. Doors open at 6.30 for you early birds. Uh, come for the tea, the truffles, and testimony, and uh, they hope to see you there. Contact Don and Laurie if you have any questions. Uh, We've got a work day coming up at Camp Jim on May 1st. It's from 9 until 6 p.m. Uh, please let uh, them know um, if you are coming to help uh, because they will provide you lunch. Mother-daughter retreat is coming up. Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't think that's right. It's this weekend. So, if you're not there, you missed it. (laughs) Sorry. There is a congressional meeting. Probably should read through these a little more carefully before I get up here, huh? Congressional meeting today. Congressional. (sighs) Congress needs prayer. Anyway... Congregational meeting today uh, for about five minutes after the service. So if you can stick around, that would be great. Membership classes are coming up. See, Pastor Charlie, if you are interested in that. Uh, Speaking of congressional meetings, we're going to have an elder vote coming up on May the 2nd following the service. Uh, The nominating committee reports are at the sound booth if you want to read up on us Schmucks that are being drafted into being... No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Let's go to our prayer focus for today. Our prayer focus is found in Philippians 1.12. Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because my chain, of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear, Philippians 1.14. And he's writing, Paul is sitting in prison and he's writing and uh, the, the, crux of this prayer focus is attitude what is your attitude this morning Paul is sitting there and he could say this this is the the gospel according to Joe slandered version Paul could be sitting there going my brothers and sisters this stinks I'm stuck here in prison look at all I've done for God and how does he repay me? I'm stuck in this cesspool. In that, who knows if I'm going to get out of here alive? It wasn't worth it. This stinks. I got a bad attitude about the whole thing. Nah. How many times have we sat there in a pity party when things haven't gone our way? It's like, God, have you forgotten me? Here I am. People are picking on me. I didn't get the job I wanted. I still have food, but I I I don't live in the house that I want. God, why have you forsaken me? If anybody had a reason to have a pity party, it was Paul. If anybody had a reason to have a pity party, it was any of the old the, the original disciples. Most of them were killed. And here he is sitting in prison. But here he is telling them, guys, get this. I'm in prison, and every eight hours, I've got new guards to testify to. I got prisoners coming in and out that I get to witness to. Every day... God brings people into my life here in this prison that wouldn't know Jesus if I wasn't here. Have you ever thought about that? You might be in a lousy situation according to you, but maybe you're just where you need to be to reach somebody that would never hear about Jesus other than from you. And he's saying, and guess what? Not only am I getting a witness to people here in prison, it's making the other Christians bolder. They're going, well, if Paul can deal with this, I'm going to step up. What are they going to do, put me in prison? I'll just witness to them there too. Our attitude, our attitude makes all the difference We can look at the trials and tribulations in our life as God forgetting about us, God not caring about us, God not living up to his end of the deal, or it's an opportunity. It is a mission field, it is where God wants me to be. It's attitude. Are you going to be a pity party, Nellie, or are you you going to be someone who goes out there and witnesses to the prison guards when you're um, rightfully imprisoned? You're in a job you don't like. Are you going to witness to the person next to you or grumble about, "They they take advantage of me here? I'm not paid enough for this. God's got you there for a reason. So it's your attitude. What is your attitude today? As we go to prayer, let's check ourselves and check our attitudes and see if we need an adjustment. Let's go to prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive us if we have bad attitudes. I know I'm guilty of it. Things aren't the way I want them to be. They're not as smooth as I want them to be. I think I'm being taken for granted. I'm not happy with this, that, and the other. I look at persecution and thank God. Why, why, am, why is this happening to me? Why me, Lord? Why? Why God? And you're saying, because I have you where I want you. God, let us get our eyes off of the stuff around us and on you. Let us put our focus on you and your plans and seek your will, not our will. Even Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus could have said, hey, I'm the Son of God. Why do I got to do this? Why do I got to go through this? But Jesus, you didn't complain. You had the attitude of love. So God, let us have an attitude of love and of service and of gratefulness And help us, Lord God, to be content with where you've put us and what you have us doing. And when we get off kilter with our attitude, God, help bring us back into line. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Be seated. Uh, if you're age 12 and under, you may head back to Camp Pointway as they've got a lesson back there for you, especially worked on for you today. So, kids, head back. If you're able, If kids want to stay in. That's fine too. We're, we don't mind kids being out as well. So, I was thinking this morning, as uh, uh, actually as Joe was sharing. Uh, how neat it is that um, it's not a church, if you're visiting today, it's not a church that depends on just one person. Um, it's a church family that's active all the time, and, and while I was thinking of Joe, Joe, Joe's been uh, developing the, the prayer time a little bit, and um, Joe, don't take offense, but I've, I've nicknamed it Sermonette, right? Joe gives a little sermonette with a the, with prayer focus off the, the verse, and I love that. And, and Heidi's sharing about missions and how it all connects together, the the, the music, but it doesn't just happen here on Sunday morning. I got to tell you, church, you may not know this, but there are a lot of things that go on during the week. And I just want to say thank you, because as a, as a pastor, that means a lot, because um, sometimes the the burden feels heavy, um, like you're, you're, you're the one that's pushing the rock. But you know, this week, I saw meals being made for someone that's uh, stuck, that's being ill. I see people praying for one another. I see people helping people move. Um, And the interaction, and many of you volunteer throughout the week. And so I want to say thank you and how proud I am as your pastor. So I I just wanted to to, to let you know that this church is active. It's not um, something that just meets on Sunday morning. And So thank you. I wanted to start off with that. Um, That may be helpful as we get into this next message because, uh, as you know, we've been working through the minor prophet of Amos And uh, We're getting down near the end. We're on Lesson 8 or Chapter 8 of the book, and next week will probably be the end of the series. Uh, Lord willing, we'll finish Chapter 9, and that's all there is in Amos. As you know, it's one of the minor prophets, and it's sent as a prophet to tell Israel how bad things have gotten. It's not a cheery message. It's not very encouraging uh, for Israel. And I say Israel on purpose because you know the kingdoms have gotten divided. Right? After Solomon, the two sons, they divided the kingdom. Two tribes stayed down in the south, and ten went to the north. It was a larger portion. Amos was in that southern kingdom, and God called him, away from his fig trees and his sheep and uh, those that he was managing, and sent him north to give a message. Uh, his name actually means heavy load or load bearer. And so he's got a heavy message to give. Now, Israel is doing really well. They're prospering. There's relatively peace. Things are going well. They've got not one temple. They've got two places to go and worship, although we learned that that's not really God's plan. But with all that wealth and with all that prosperity, spiritually, they're bankrupt. And unfortunately, how they've gotten a lot of that wealth is off the backs of the poor, and they've taken advantage of them. And if you were with us, God in chapter 1 says, that's not okay. And it's not okay for the nations around them, but also for the nation especially of Israel. They should know better. And so we've been building week after week, and we've been seeing Amos keeps saying over and over again, hey, you need to change, you need to repent, you can't keep doing this. The court system has become corrupt, there's no way to get a fair trial, things have run amok. And if you were with us last week, Jesse was here, he remembers, right? We had a, we had a plumb line, right? And, and Tony helped us out with a little bit about how if you're off by a little bit, you know, at the bottom, and when you get about 12 feet, you're off by what, Tony? A lot. Yeah, he still doesn't give me a number. He doesn't, yeah. yeah. Probably my engineer guys could probably figure out if you're off one degree how far that gets. But anyways, we just use it as an example, right? But what were we to set our plumb line to? Huh? God's Word. There we go. Some of you. All right, good. In case you're visiting today, in case you're wondering, I don't ask rhetorical questions very often. Once in a while, Uh, Bryce is pointing because I did ask one recently, but it's pretty rare. All right? It's like a unicorn uh, and a rainbow upside down. It's pretty rare. I'm expecting an answer, and I will wait for a while if I have to. (laughs) Some of you just got that. It took a while. Anyways, plumb line, onto God's word, right? That's where everything needs to come out of. That's where we set things straight. It's not my opinion. It's not the, in this case, the, the priest's opinion. It's not even the king's opinion that matters. Back to the plumb line, back to God's word. That's the grid that everything runs through, right? And if we have that biblical worldview and we run things through that, we're going to be Okay. In fact, I got to tell you, even in the, I was confronted this week, there were some issues that were coming up, and I don't know if you get these, I get these often, the political issues and things that are coming out through our social media and things like that, and it's like, my opinion doesn't matter, God's word, and here's what God's word says. I've learned that that's probably a better response, and it keeps me out of a lot less trouble. Hey, you don't want my opinion, but let me tell you what God's word says on this issue, and then I leave it there. It's a lot easier, folks. I'm telling you, it takes a lot of the pressure off. Because if I start telling them my opinion, then I've got to defend my opinion, and it doesn't take very long that it gets personal, right? Have you ever had that happen? All right, yeah. All right, I thought I was the only one, but no, it, it does. So point them back to God's word. Now you say, you may say, well, they don't read God's word. They don't. Then the, the conversation's probably lost anyways. You're not going to change them. Show them Christ. Show them love, and say, hey, that's what God's word says. And that's what I live by. And leave it stand at that. That wasn't in my message. That was just free. That was a, an add-on from last week. All right? Some of you know that happens from time to time. All right. As I said, now we're all the way up to chapter 8. Right? And again, we had that interchange last week. God has been compassion all along the way. Has God given them enough chances? We would say yes, right? It's easy for us to say yes. If it was us, we might say, well, hey, i I like a couple more, right? Time has run out. God determines when enough is enough. And guess what? At this point, time has run out. Right? Time has run out. That's the title of today's message. Time has run out. And so we're at chapter 8. So they're so good, man. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, this is what the Sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos, he asked. I see a basket of ripe fruit, he answered. Then the Lord said to me, the time is ripe for my people, Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing and many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. See, guys, finally got to that point. Remember, it's three sins yet, four. He's given them chance after chance. He sent them Amos. Amos has spoken over and over again, and he says, enough. And he gives the illustration of a basket of fruit. You thought I was just having a snack up here, right? These look pretty good, right? Anybody want one? No, no thanks. Okay, good, I'll... Look at that, huh? Good catch, Mike. Thanks. yeah. someone to go throw her for the catch no. <laughs> no, both. No, I just don't want anyone to go hungry here this morning. All right. It's an interesting illustration that he uses, right? But if you think about fruit, right, about a month ago i you wouldn't have wanted one, would you? you wouldn't have you wouldn't have asked for one, right? They would have been green, they would have been hard. They don't taste very good, right? I bet you a month from now, and if you want, I'll save you one, a month from now, you're not going to want it either, right? Fruit's interesting that way, right? There's only a short window that they actually taste good, right? The rest of the time, they're, they're either sour, they're bitter, they're not ripe or, or ready yet. They go beyond, they start to decay. They, you know, they get sweet, but they don't taste good. I mean, they, and if they go too far, they're rotten. But there's a time. And God, I think, uses this illustration with Amos to show that enough time has gone by. And now is the time. I've had enough. I've given you enough chances. I've given you enough warnings. Now, Israel, unfortunately, doesn't realize this at this point, right? They pushed through all the warnings. In fact, we we even looked at it last week. The, The one person who could have maybe helped change the nation, the chief priest, right? He rejected Amos, right? Told them, hey, go back. Just go back to where you are. Go back to farming. right? Get out of here. We talked about that at the end of chapter 7 last week. So now the Lord says, enough is enough. Interesting here, he, he predicts what's going to happen. He gives us a, a glimpse from that time period to what's going forward. right? He says, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. You get a lot from this. You know, if you read that real quick, you say, all right, yeah, they're, they're going to go in time of mourning, but where does it start? Where's it going to start? Where's the wailing going to start? The temple. the temple, right, exactly. The temple, because that's where the problem has been. Yes, the injustice is the problem, the physical things that they've done, but in the temple, their, their worship has been corroded. That's where it's starting. That's where the the root of the problem is. Now, we jump that out in today in our own lives, right? Usually the outward manifestations of things that are going on go back to a heart issue, right? It's amazing. The story changes and the, the characters change in our Bibles, but the root causes are still there, right? What you see on the outside is quite often the reflection of what's going on on the inside. And so God needs to start there first in order to make change. And again, it's not a pretty picture here, but he says many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Right? Again, you got to put it in context, right? The temple was the place where they would go to hear from God. Today we have the benefit of the Holy Spirit. We can hear from God anywhere. We're, we're not restricted as they were, but that was the one place where they would go to hear from God, to get guidance, to get direction. And God says, you know what? There's going to be silence. You would say, well, that sounds kind of cruel in a way, right? That's the very time they need Him. There's going to be bodies, there's going to be death, there's going to be destruction, yet He's going to be silent. God the most, and again, if we took this out of context, we say, well, that's pretty harsh and that's pretty cruel. That's when we need God the most, and he's not there for us. It's not been the case, right? We've seen. They've had the chances, but enough is enough. It's done. So that silence is emphasized because that's going to be part of that judgment. God's not going to speak to them any longer. Yet he's going to still give them one more chance here. He's going to give them this message through Amos. So go on with me here in verse 4. He says, Hear this, you who trample the needy. And do away with the poor of the land, saying, When the new moon be over, then we may sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended, and that we may market wheat. Skimping the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales. Buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Selling even the sweepings with the wheat. Like I said, we've said they had a spiritual problem, and again, that certainly is true in a heart problem, but that's manifested itself into how they're interacting with people, how they're doing business, if you want to call it, and that's what God's judging as well, right? He cares about how we treat other people. I know some of you have been here. You've heard that message before, right? Our relationship with God is a reflection of our relationship with each other. And you can't tell me your relationship is all right with God if we're having fights here, horizontally. Right? It's another message, but that principle applies throughout all of Scripture. And certainly here, it applies. They are mistreating the poor and the needy. It doesn't even, they trample away with it, right? They do away, they, they push him to the side, is, what it, is really what it's talking about here. I remember a few years back, some of you may remember this, they were going to have the Olympic in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know if you remember that or not. Maybe it was an East Coast thing. But the the mayor of the city was trying to do his best to get the, the committee to approve Atlanta. And so one of the things that they did right before they came is they brought in buses downtown Atlanta, and they started loading up all the homeless people and anyone they could gather up and busing them to the outskirts to get them out of the city. They spent millions of dollars to clean up and make it look like it was OK. Like this is normal. Atlanta's a beautiful city. Now it's not a bad city, but like any city, they have homeless, they have needy, they have poor, they have issues. But again, to make the appearance. And so it's the same mindset here. Israel's not taking care of the poor and the needy. they're just pushing them aside. They're probably nowhere near the temple. When you went to the temple in the mansions, they weren't hanging See. So which is just the opposite of how God intended it. So you get that glimpse. We also see here uh, the, the time of harvest, right? The time of plenty. When you, you get in a crop, God and his law had set, away, set things in motion or set things for the poor and needy. You were supposed to take care of them. You were supposed to give them a portion. If you were with us last week, we learned, right, the first portion went to the king, the best, and we talked about what would happen if there was a, a drought rate between the the harvests. But farmers and those were to set aside a certain amount or portion to give to those who couldn't. There was, for lack of a better term, a sort of a welfare system in place or a way to help out those in need. temporarily. and they had to work for it. I mean, it wasn't a bad system. They would have to do things for it, but again, it was part of taking care of one another. And they weren't doing that. And if that wasn't enough, we see what was going on in the marketplace here, right? If you look at some of the other prophets, God judges them very harshly whenever they get dishonest scales, right? And so we see that. He says they're skimping on the measure. They're boosting their price. Today we say that's price gouging, right? That's our our phrase. Like I said, not, not much changes. The characters change, but our scales. Human nature doesn't, and we can fall into the same trap cheating with dishonest scales. You now that dishonest scale would be one way of doing that. Is Sometimes they would even find that there would be two different sets of scales. Archaeologists have actually found that, that there would be a scale for buying and a scale for selling, right? Buy low, sell high, right? We, we, we know that concept, right? If you're in the stock market, that's what you want to do, right? Well, that's that's a little bit different. Here it's I'm taking from one and giving to another, but I'm using a different scale. And guess what? I get the, the profit in between. And they'd gotten so out of balance that people were not being able to, to even buy their own food. So to so the point, point. and again, in that day, if you couldn't pay your debt or couldn't pay for it, you had to enslave yourself. Again, that's another no-no, right? That's in the law as well, that you weren't to take your brothers, and again, in the context was, you weren't to take other Jewish people into slavery, right, or hold it over them. And that's what was taking place. They were being have to, to, to work their whole lives to pay off a debt that they didn't even really owe just to survive. And again, the, the price, because it was dishonest, got down to meager portions, right? The needy for a pair of sandals, right? Think about it. A pair of shoes, same value as a person. You can see where there's a problem there. God's not okay with that. Even the, the sweepings with the wheat, right? You weren't even getting wheat. You're paying, say, $10 for a bushel of wheat, but you've got all the chaff and everything else with it, right? So it's unfair. You can't get a, a decent price or decent meal. And God's not okay with that. And so he continues on here. Again, it's not an encouraging message. It's a, hey, turn back. Here's what's going on, and here why I am, here's why I am just in bringing this about on you. Verse 7. It says, the Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, I will never forget anything they have done. I will never forget anything they have done. Sorry, I skipped a word. I will never forget anything they have done. Will not the land tremble for this? And all who live in it mourn. The whole land will rise like the Nile. It will be stirred up and then sink like the river of Egypt. And that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will will turn your religious feast into mourning and all your singing into weeping. I will make all of you wear sackcloth. And shave your heads; that make that time likely mourning for for that of an only son, and for the end of it, a bitter day. A couple of interesting things here as you go through that list of things, and he's again, he's predicting what's going to happen, but it keeps saying, "I will, I." If you look at that, there's about five or six eyes there, right? Again, who's speaking at this point? God, right? It's not Amos anymore. This is God directly speaking, saying, "Hey." I'm going to do these things. I'm going to make this change. I'm the one that's bringing this judgment. You deserve it, and I'm going to bring it to you, is what he's saying at this point. And again, it's it's not pretty. And again, we also see how God is not only the, the people, but the land, the nation as a whole.
0: Right?
1: Interesting here, we've seen, again, in an agricultural society, we see how much God has control over nature itself right sometimes we think that's separate but no god is the one that's in control of that and again here it's even supernatural some say it's metaphorical some say it physically happened we don't know for sure but could god make the sun go down at noon yeah we know at other times he actually did he stopped time and things like that again it's not outside of his creation sometimes we we forget about that we think that you know I, I always laugh, this is a, just an aside, but I always laugh at when we think of how much we actually control the climate and stuff around us, I, I chuckle. I mean, and God is certainly in control. I don't think we have that much influence. We think too highly of ourselves. That's an aside, That um, do what you want with that. But he's bringing judgment, and he's using the earth, he's using everything not only physically but spiritually so that they can see. And he's saying, I'm the one that's doing this. And it's not going to be a happy time. It's going to be a time of mourning. You're going to remember back to those good old days, but they're no longer. Interesting here, the, the sackcloth and the shaving of your head were signs of shame, signs of deep grief, mourning, right? Mourning is something that's never going to go back to the way it was. In fact, it's a deeper grief. Even In fact, it's like losing your own, losing your only son. Fast forward a few years, who gave up his only son? It's all connected if you know the, the scriptures and you put it together. It's amazing how that it does. Sometimes we miss those little nuances. But interesting, that's the example that he uses, right? Ryan, I think you mentioned it, right? About Christ gave his only son for us to die on the cross. We just celebrated that resurrection. And even with this, there's going to be hope. It's going to come next week. All right, verse 11 it says, the days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when a time I will send a famine throughout the land, not a famine of food or of thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Again, there's a difference there, right? Yes, they've seen famines before. They've seen times of drought. They've seen that physical. Now they're actually going to go to a deeper level. There's going to be a spiritual famine. Remember that word, you set it up, right? Silence. And it's just coming back around again. You're not going to hear from me. And if you read, sometimes we, we, when we read our Bible, we forget that it's a stretch out of a timeline. And if you read it, there have been periods of time where God goes silent. He doesn't send prophets anymore. He doesn't speak. He doesn't speak through the temple. He doesn't speak audibly. He just goes silent. And again, it's usually before a major event of discipline or correction is going to take place. Do you realize that even in the Gospels, there's 400 years of silence before we get the time of Jesus? There's a big gap in there. 400 years is a long time. And throughout Scripture, there have been moments of silence. It's part of that judgment. Again, when you're at that moment, when you need God the most and He's not there for you, that's got to be heartbreaking. Because then there's nothing. God's still there. He's just being quiet. Because you're not in the right place to hear from him. And so he's going to bring about that on them. They're going to be a time of silence. Verse 12 shows how bad it's going to get. It says, men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord. But they will not find it. And that day, the lovely women, young women and the strong young men will faint because of thirst. They who swear by the shame of Samaria or say, or surely as your God lives, O Dan, or as surely as your God in, of Bathsheba lives, they will fall, never to rise again. Again, when you put this in context and together, you can see where it shows that it's not a physical thing as much as it is spiritual that's going on part of that judgment the main part is spiritual so you can run after those things at that point you can go after you can go back to these temples remember Dan and Bathsheba or Bethel depending on your translation those are places of worship that were set up is but in context it's not been the right worship we even joked about Bryce and his golden frying pan right They had set up idols in there. They had incorporated other nations' religion and made it a place that was no longer worshiping just God alone. And again, God said, that's not okay. And things are going to get so bad that people are going to run to those places to look for God, and he's saying, I'm not going to be there. In fact, he hasn't really been there for a while. That's the sad part of the story because they haven't been worshiping there for God. God seeks those worshipers, and they're not going to be there. And again, it's not going to matter your strength, not going to matter how young, how old, it's not, it, it, he's not going to be there. So this is all part of that judgment, and part of that, that warning that comes. You say, well, Charlie, that's a pretty downer of a message. Well, you know what the great thing is? It doesn't have to be the same for us. Yeah, we, we can take these warnings and check ourselves. Joe mentioned it this morning. We can check our attitudes, right? Check our hearts. Joe and I didn't coordinate that, but it works out really well. Right? That's the one thing that God gives us that. when We come under conviction that maybe we're doing some things that are not quite right. Maybe we're not on God's word. Maybe we're not looking things through a biblical view. Maybe our worship has gotten corroded. Maybe we're worshiping more than just God. Maybe we're relying upon things that are not of God. You say, well, maybe those things are going all right, but I'm not treating people fairly. Maybe my attitude's not right. Maybe I'm taking advantage of somebody, not maybe in scales, dishonest scales, but I'm not treating them as equal or better than myself. See how these scriptures can apply today, right? We can bring that into our own lives. Because God will allow us to do it for a while, but at some point, he's going to call time out. He's going to judge us for that. Time is running out. And so we have the benefit of taking the warning and, and using that. Again, not losing sight that God has been compassionate all along the way. But there is a point where enough is Enough. And so we have to take that warning and ask for forgiveness and repentance, and we can be in right relationship immediately. What are some of the warning signs you see in your own life? No. What are some of the warning signs you see in your own life? We certainly see that. nation, but more personally, right? This message is for us personally this morning. What do we take from that? What's, what do we see in our own lives? My last question I want to ask you before we wrap this up this morning is, are you still hearing from God? Are you still hearing from God? Is God still speaking to you? God does that in many ways, right? He does that through his word. He does it through other people. He does it through the spirit within us. And once in a while, yes, he even speaks audibly to us. That's happened to, to me. I've heard of that experience and had that happen But he speaks to us. But if you haven't heard from God in a while, it's a good time to take some time and reflect on that and say, why? Am I off mark? Am I not doing the things that God's told me to do? How's my relationship with God going? Fortunately, I don't have all the answers for that. That's something you have to wrestle out with God. But there's hope. Because as long as you're here today, there's hope, right? It's not too late this morning. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we thank you as we remember how compassionate you are. Lord, you have been merciful many, many times, Lord, and you've taken care of us. And Lord, the message weighs heavy, as we struggle through these things. Lord, help us to be quick to ask for forgiveness. Restore that relationship. Speak to us, even now, Lord. Lord, help us as we interact with others, Lord, that we not only treat them fairly, Lord, but that we take care of them. We minister, especially those that are in need. Lord, help us to be the people you've called us to be. And Lord, we we praise you for who you are and Lord, how you've taken us this far in our journey. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.